Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I don't like blood and guts But I love them when they're lengthily Perhaps you should grow a beard. <laughs> this is with Gorley and Rust for Bram Stoker's Dracula. I am Matt Gorley and I have crossed oceans of time to be with you. Yes, and I am uh, Paul Rust <laughs> and I have crossed oceans of ocean spray cranberry <laughs> juice, which looks like, like blood. blood. Looks like blood, does it not? <laughs> you are doing a true Gary Oldman as Dracula, whereas I'm going full on uh, somebody's impression of Bella Lugosi's impression of Bella I think that's what Gary Oldman yeah. is doing. <laughs> no, oh my gosh, Gary Oldman uh, on another yeah. level. I mean, uh, just the, I mean, we can, obviously we're going to jump into the movie, we're yeah. going to talk about uh, our, our podcast here, but... Those different looks, I mean, that's the headline for me with Bram Stoker's mm. Dracula, all the different Dracula looks. It it, it reminds me of like um, now when you go see a Elton John biopic <laughs> or Elvis, yeah. they make sure to get in every era, even if the timeline doesn't work, because we're like, oh, we love when yeah. Elton John had that haircut and those big shoulder pads yeah. in the early 90s. We'll just squeeze it a decade. Like this, you got all of his looks. Yeah. It's a true it's really biopic something. It's really Dracula. Something. Yeah. I mean, this movie frequently, though it's called Bram Stoker's Dracula, goes above and beyond duty from Bram Stoker's Dracula, including his, I believe, Klimt-inspired kimonos and wardrobe. Beautiful. <laughs> I mean, where I mean, this podcast the is, down. is yeah. inspired by that as well. Well, this is with Gorley and Rust. So th this is 
Gourley and Russ talking yeah. to you now. And you are with Gourley and us. R- yes. Russ by listening to us now, but the show is also called With Gourley and Rust. Now that we're clear, here's a little bit of business. If you appreciate and like what you're hearing, you can get more at patreon.com slash with Gourley and Rust. <laughs> there are feature length film commentaries. There are mailbag episodes. There are cozy tournaments and cozy awards, which come out this week. Yes. No, by the time you hear this, it will already be today, out. Today. Is it right? No, tomorrow. Tomorrow. No, Thursday. Thursday. That's right. Thursday. No, Tuesday. You're right. Tuesday. I said it to the wrong date. It's supposed to be out today. Today. Hey, it's coming out today. Today. We coming to America. I'm I think this it. is what Billy Corgan was talking about when he's saying today is the greatest day I've ever known. It was like, oh, the mailbag came out today. The mailbag. No, the, the oh, quite the opposite. Not the mailbag. The Cozy Awards, where we uh, choose uh, the winners of the Cozy Awards um, for this year. Now, that includes all the movies that we watched over the last year, and we judge them on a horror movie's most important factor, the C factor, not the X factor, the C factor. Cozy. If you're live streaming right now, and I'm talking to you guys out there, live streaming, just for fun, refresh your Patreon page because it just went up. Oh, you should listen to the live uh, streaming while you listen to the new uh, Cozy Awards episode simultaneously. I think that would make for a good listening experience. I just realized we did a... We put up the live screaming video for all to hear. Same hey. with the podcast. It's not just a Xenomorph subscription. But I have to put that up there, too. Hold on. Hold on. That's so fun, guys. Yeah, so that's the other component of uh, the Patreon. Yeah, we uh, do these little uh, live streaming, <coughs> live screaming, uh, and uh, but I don't know, before we hopped on the mics here, we looked, uh, we got on, chatted with everybody, said hello, Uh a Jeff on there, he pointed out to me, kind of blew my mind, something I never thought of, Matt. Yeah. He was like, hey, Coppola really had to use all the stuff he learned uh, working with Roger Corman. Oh, right. And uh, I never really put that together, like uh, that Coppola had made a Roger Corman movie, and now this... Uh, you he's feel it in this one. Oh, boy. <sighs> That's the uh, the atmosphere and the vibe is... Uh, I love it, but... Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, hop on over there. Was the, there any other Well, news? yeah. First of all, the Cozies are now officially up, which means uh, oh. get get in on that and just find out who's won the Whoa. Cozy Award for 2023. All As always, Umar, Dustin, and Brantley, join us for this and mm. take us Yes, through. they do. And, and they go above and beyond this time, I have to say. Truly. Yeah. I mean, that was uh, the best, the best, best yet. This Dracula episode is just a little bonus one-off because we wanted something spooky in there for Halloween. Comes yes. out on Patreon on this, the 29th of September, the 6th of October if you're a free feed listener, reminding yes. you that you can get episodes a week early and ad-free if you're a Patreon subscriber. That's right. So now the spooky, cool October season is either uh, about to happen or you're in it right now oh. if you're listening or you're listening to this in July and you're just mentally I'm telling you in it's a spooky in, season in full effect here because we had at the Gorley the Gorlund Manor we had our our 
foray, our opening day into the holiday seasons this weekend. It was amazing. When I pulled up yesterday and I saw the yard, the long, what would you call the, I I said decorations yesterday. And then as I I said, I was like, is that the right word? That's right. Uh, decor dead curations de- dead curations and uh dead cor- dead corpse rations dead corps. dead corporations is what i want <laughs> when i pulled up though and i saw those i wish you could have heard my heart cuz it was singing <gasps> I, I it was um i was like it's here halloween is here it the is. spooky season has arrived like seeing that the, and my particular favorite the no vacancy sign mm. where your neighbors saw it a year or two ago like so you guys are doing a airbnb thing <laughs> no idiots well, we are it's doing halloween. a psycho thing you adult you adult well this weekend oh my god uh just glenn and i we hopped out to home depot to pick up some we need some finishing touches fun and they have these you know huge um things that you can press buttons to activate and they put the buttons all out all out on the floor so she could just step on them and activate so people know glenn is your daughter not like a a peer a friend of yours no it's chucky's child glenn and i no, Glenn is my daughter. <laughs> yeah, and so she went. She went on the floor, and mm-hmm. she liked it. And you know, Glenn is uh, she's a firebrand. She's a hellion, and she just this weekend happened to be in mm-hmm. one of those perfect moods. And she and I went out, and then we went to Spirit Halloween Store, which she got. She did actually for the first time get scared by one of those animatronic which clown one? things. But, but she then goes. Daddy, hold you. Daddy, safe. Which I'm just saying that this never happened before. Mm. She's a mama's girl and always has been. That's nice. Then we went to Trader Joe's, got some pumpkin spiders, had a couple treats, came home. We decorated. We watched Talk to Me, that horror movie. Not Glenn. Not we, I've been wanting, I saw it in the theater a couple a weeks ago oh. and I wanted to talk in the pod about Talk to Me. I loved it. Yeah, I loved yeah, it too. Yeah. It was good. Oh, well, mm. I experienced a walkout. During that movie. How rare is that? Usually you don't get, but after a really violent scene, uh, I won't spoil it, the when uh, the the wall and the floor. Oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah when the yeah, scene was, was over, a true stand up and walk out of the theater. I was like, whoo, I don't, mm. I can't remember the last time somebody was pushed to, to leave out of in that way. It might have been 1992, Bram Stoker's Dracula, when they did test screenings, and it was too gory. Thank you, Brantley, for the research. Yes, thank you, Brantley uh, Palmer, with your amazing research again. Yeah, there because there are some, certainly some blood agushions in this, but uh, choice moments, I guess, yeah. as opposed to the... Um, that's funny that the test screening... Who, who do you think... Uh, um, saw that uh, that they were so like was it a bunch of uh, I bet it was choir boys John Milius George Lucas Brian De Palma Steven Spielberg and Marty Scorsese okay well you've uh, evoked their names right now Matt yeah I wanted to talk on this episode at some point about this little let's say 1990 or even 1991 to 92 snapshot mm. of the film brats take it away like, what are they all up to at this point? It's an interesting time, right? Yeah, Because they've all gone mainstream. Yeah, and it's about 20 years since they broke through, mm. just to give you a sense of like where they would be. But um, yeah, they uh, 
what I think it does, it basically boils down to they're all trying to make things they saw as kids mm-hmm. and liked. Mm. And maybe that's always been the case with some of the film brats, but going back to like what got them into movies. So like Spielberg oh, yeah. always comes out like 8990, right? And then Hook. Hook. And both of the uh, guy named Joe is the basis of Always. It was yeah. a movie he loved growing up, and right. since Jaws was like, oh, I'll remake a guy named Joe into mm-hmm. Always. And then Hook, obviously, like Peter Pan's story, and based inspired. on a guy named Hook. Yeah, uh, Charlie Hook, I think, is his name. No, Captain Hook. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Scorsese, ninety-one, does Cape Fear, so he does a remake. Ooh, interesting. Uh, Coppola, ninety-two. Dracula does like a, and I imagine as a theater guy coming up and you watch this, it has amazing moments of like filmed play theatrical oh, trickery. For sure. Yeah. We'll get into that. That I'm like, Oh, he's even going to a place of like, what, what do I love about making movies? I, I like doing this kind of stagecraft stuff. It's like each of them in their fifties, forties, I don't know, trying to get yeah. at, something again that's even predating stuff they ever ever like uh, but and then De Palma 92 uh, Raising Kane. it's basically he hasn't done a thriller movie in eight years mm. and it's back to the kind of the well that worked when did he do Bonfire of the Vanities that's Which- 1990 and you could also track with all of these these guys having f- failures like 1990 yeah. except interestingly Scorsese, who was out in the wild for like a decade, but then had Goodfellas, which is like the best out of anything right. any of those fellas were making in that 10-year span. After. Entertainment Magazine was calling this movie before it came out Bonfire of the Vampires because of rumored problems Interesting. And, and squabbles. Well, because Peter Guber, Guber, who produced, worked at Warner Brothers, who produced Batman... And through the success of that with John Peters bopped over to Sony when they bought Columbia and TriStar and they became the heads of it. Um, they produ- they set up Bonfire of the Vanities at Warner Brothers. Then they go over to Columbia, TriStar set up Hook and Dracula. Whoa. So they're all these kind of huge, big budgeted um, auteurist visions. Like... In a, in a way, like I know Bonfire of the Vanities ate it, and Hook and Dracula, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, are not the best of those people's filmographies. But whatever those guys were trying to do, Peter Goober and uh, John Peters, of like, um, this is the last thing I'll say, but just like, for the with whole the, with podcast. The, yeah, <laughs> with the strike being done and the main complaint, uh, the WGA start, started not the main complaint uh, the uh, observation that I started most recognizing towards the end was like, people were like, Oh, before during strikes, they could move quicker and faster because the people who ran the studios and the producers, mm. they all loved movies yeah. deep down. And so they had an impulse and a drive to want to get back to making movies. Now you're in a situation where the people who are making the decisions, this is, point zero five on a spreadsheet of a corporation that could care very, it's just like one little detail on a a spreadsheet. And so what do they care? They're hoping that 
things will uh, financially turn their way. Um, but it means like, <laughs> oh, there's me. no like, mo- oh, bless you. Gesundheit. There's no movie lovers really anymore who are like running studios and making the decisions. Uh, so Peter Goober making like movies like Bonfire of the Vanities, Hook, Dracula, they're all insane. <laughs> and they're not particularly good, but I just like love the like, let's roll the dice on this like huge, crazy thing. I do feel like is a little. Even if the movies aren't so good, my I am nostalgic for that time because it feels like it just doesn't. That scope of cuckoo doesn't exist. This movie exemplifies the peak of that, and I think this is why I love this movie, and I do love this movie. I love it too. First time, I don't know if it's a good movie. Mm -hmm. In fact, (laughs) pretty sure it's not. But I love this movie, and I don't love it in the way that I say like, "Oh, I love this is so bad, it's good." I love Mm -hmm. it. It's such an oddball and such its own movie because it, obviously it's drawing heavily from the past, but with such a influx of Coppola's kind of, I think maybe he's thinks he has a steady hand, but doesn't have as steady a hand as he, mm-hmm. he may think. Although he's still so good at setting up shots. It's almost Spielbergian in mm-hmm. the sense of all the little, little things yeah. going on background to foreground and stuff. And yes. There's no movie like this. There's no movie like this. Yeah, and even true that. I saw this in the theater. I I want to say like opening night in Westwood, we went to some big thing and, and it wasn't uh, like I had the foresight to do it. Some friends kind of got me on board to go. And I remember seeing it and going like, I don't think that was good because Keanu Reeves himself has said that he was not good. He was exhausted and he's not. He's a great actor. I love Keanu Reeves. Yeah. It it's it's one of the worst performances I've seen on this podcast of the films we've covered. On this podcast or maybe in cinema. Yeah. I, 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 he's beloved now, rightfully so. Yeah, and he's done some of the best performances, but he's yes. gotta be in his wheelhouse and this, yes, he's this is be neither wheel wheelhouse. nor house. This, he's got to be in his Reeves house. Yeah, he is outside in the elements, and ha- the wheel has not been invented yet. Um, he's like a guy on a horse going through the snow, charging up to a castle right now with a you know no neck brace, <laughs> no neck brace. Hmm. I don't know why anybody would wear a neck Old brace. No for a neck brace, neck. Reeves. Um, but so some of the performances aside, and even when the performances aren't bad mm-hmm. i think you maybe you got keanu reeves in the in the bad category i think winona ryan is tiptoeing in there a little bit but you've got anthony hopkins and gary oldman doing such different things one of them so over the top and one of them kind of underplayed a little bit almost f- purposefully phoned in in a way he's doing his van helsing character that's like it's not bad and he, i don't think he's phoning it in but he is doing a kind of stilted germanic delivery that is so different from what Gary Oldman's doing, not just accent wise, but um, presentation versus representation. And so much is going on. No. Yeah. I thought that too, uh, with Anthony Hopkins, uh, I appreciated how it was comic. Mm -hmm. Like there's, Mm. there's some really funny things. And he was like the one person who was like bringing some genuinely like, stabber in the heart and cut out the fifth. Yeah. 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 It's really funny. Yeah. Uh, the, um, uh, so I, I liked him in that. It did seem like you saying like it seems like him and Gary Oldman have two per- different performance styles. That 
gets at kind of like what I was thinking when I was, I was like, when I was watching the Anthony Hopkins stuff, it just seemed like, oh, Francis Ford Coppola loves Anthony Hopkins and he's just going to choose the best take, not just scene to scene from like cut to cut and just like string up. Cause it just, it feels like a really wild, like, um, the phone did might be like for me like the um it doesn't seem like a focused it seems like a table read to me honestly like he's reading it it feels like he's reading it he's not it's there's just... one part where he's like in a see he's trying to uh, convince somebody of something and it gets a little like dead and then I don't know where he just starts talking yeah. to him. He's like, I, what I want you to do. And I was like, oh, he's a total, an amazing way, like a theater actor where you're like, this is feeling dead. What, how do I like, like, oh, I'm going to do this. Yeah. This will bring something to the, like. Do you think any of it was, he's fresh off the success of, of um, on Hannibal's Secret Service. Or why can't I think of it? Silence of the <laughs> Hannibal's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he knows this young upstart Gary Oldman's coming in and is a scene chewer method actor. Mm. Gary Oldman has aged into an actor that I adore. In his early years, you, you a little goes a long way. Well, Although Gary, I love him in this. Don't get me wrong. Gary Oldman speaks to this yeah. uh, when he was doing the Mank interviews. He was like Anthony Hopkins. He shared an anecdote that uh, Dracula on Dracula, him and Anthony Hopkins were like two ships passing in the night, where it was like. Um, Anthony Hopkins was a, a recovering alcoholic mm. the UK actor who was getting accolades and then went through a spell and then cleaned up. And then Gary Oldman was said that Anthony Hopkins said to him, like, I see you, me and you, what you're up to right oh, now. Wow. I think they hit it off for that reason. And Gary Oldman said they both loved mimicry. So they were both like mimics with each other. But it's funny because, and Gary Oldman was deep into his alcoholic period. He was arrested for a DUI during the making of this film. Um, I had missed some stuff. But Stories of him combating with Coppola when I first heard the on set. And when I first heard that, my jaw dropped where I was just like, what actor would think in there in that position, not just in their career, but any point in their career where you would like butt heads with somebody who's like... Yeah. A master, like yeah. you would trust what they're up to. What? Uh, sorry. What well, are, well yeah. early Anthony Hopkins performances are almost even more subdued than his older performances. But Gary Oldman is way the opposite. I think it You're wasn't right. until Gary Oldman started doing the Batman films where I felt like he kind of took a breath and went, I don't need to do theatrical performances. I need to do film performances. And then he's so subtle as George Smiley and Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. I've just fell in love with him in that movie. That's funny because you could see it as a, that's precisely the point where Anthony Hopkins starts adding a little bit more ham. <laughs> yes, yes. Like Hannibal. It's almost like... The ship's crossing took, in the night as actors. Yes. Yeah. At a second time then. Like then like yeah. Gary Oldman is like, he's like, you know what? I don't need this much ham on yeah. my plate. And he kind of pushes the ham off to the side. And Anthony Hopkins is like, they're like, I'll take some of that ham. Yes. Uh, yep, 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 yep. I think Anthony Hopkins too is like, you're not going to need that much alcohol, my friend, but you're also not going to need that much acting. <laughs> then yeah. Gary Oldman seems to come full circle. I don't know if you've seen Slow Horses, that uh, 
it's a British production, but it's on Apple TV. It's mm-hmm. a spy series of spy novels that I love. And he plays like the opposite of Jackson Lamb, where he's just like a it's outspoken, vulgar asshole, but he's so mm-hmm. good in that. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of like playing mm-hmm. it up, but in a way that's not scene chewy as much. Mm-hmm. It's just very, com- he's so confident now. And I think he's also lost his asshole years. Probably that went with the drink too, but yeah. everything you read about this and how he and Winona Ryder did not get along that they started very close mm-hmm. and then something happened. I wonder what happened <laughs> between these two actors who are both sexy and at their sexual prime oh, that would you know change what? things. I'm such a little prude. I didn't even think about that because I just assumed that. No, what am I thinking? You've of been course? on enough sets where you're like, mm. those people were really friendly for a while. Yeah. Now they're not friendly. Mm. After a weekend, or or uh, my favorite little thing that will happen on a set sometimes is uh, you'll notice like two actors are like, oh, they're kind of flirting with each other. They're uh, into each other. They're crushing on each other. That's cool. That's a nice yeah. vibe to be around. Whatever. That's sweet. And then one of the people will have their like spouse come to visit set, oh, yeah. or a partner, or their kid. Yeah. And then after that, it's just like, <sighs> nope. <laughs> this is not reality has come into this uh, yeah. set. They're and perfect. Then, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, then I'm saying then I'm looking at these two people not crushing on each other anymore. What, 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 what am I supposed to live for? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't come to, to do this job for the job. I came to yeah. pruriently watch a proxy relationship happen. Um, the perfect encapsulation of this is that, yeah, probably old men and writer had some kind of hot lust going on just like their characters did. But did you hear this story that, uh, they reshot, they need to do reshoots. And so they shot the scene of Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder getting married in the Greek Orthodox church. What they shot, they shot that in a Los Angeles Orthodox church. And the guy that plays the priest was an actual Greek Orthodox priest. And so they, even though they weren't legally married, I think they were, they went through the whole process of being married before anybody realized it. The priest had basically married them. <laughs> and so to this day, apparently they text each other and we'll call each other husband and wife, but it's like a very sweet sort of like they didn't mind. And, you know, I don't think anything was going on with them, but you have like this chaste relationship and then this lusty relationship. <laughs> That's so funny that, uh, uh, you know, my joke of like, why would anybody want to come and be on set and have the fun of being creative and collaborating if uh uh there was nobody uh around who had a crush on somebody else yeah. uh uh i was joking of course it's yeah. a, a a distraction and it's i the work is like the most fun thing in the world so it would be funny to think that like no two people got married on <laughs> <laughs> that's a distraction uh the uh um yeah, Gary Oldman, as far as he goes with his uh, performance and stuff, like I, uh, I love late latter day Oldman, old old man Oldman, old Oldman, but I like young man old, like, and those performances are really, uh, you know, I never I'd seen parts of Bram Stoker's Dracula, but this was the first time watching it from beginning to end. Really, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, oh my yeah, god! Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. I've seen so, this movie countless times. So uh, count 
Countless times. Countless times. There are some line readings that are from the trailer that uh, like have stuck. Do, do you remember that? I remember seeing the trailer like yeah. so much. So like, uh, or just moments like him licking the blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then uh, her Winona Ryder's uh, Get Me Away From All This. Death. Yeah, I saw that like 500 times in the fall of 1992, even oh, though I didn't see the movie. Um, but uh, I, my first touch of Gary Oldman was either True Romance or um, Sid and Nancy. Mm, yeah, that was mine, Sid and Nancy, and then The Professional. Yes, yes, yes. Which he is maybe his chewiest. Acting. Yes, it is. I probably told you about this joke before on the podcast, but I always say when his character takes those pills, you know, and he just like almost starts to convulse and like turn into the Hulk that those are his acting pills. So he comes in the room all subtle. Then he takes the pills and he's like, (laughs) and the camera's above him and he's like slithering and drooling. And then he's like, I'm ready to act now. I'm ready to act So if you look at the pills, there's a little uh, tragedy mask and comedy mask on the, on the pill. Oh, that's, yeah. But he ate one of these. I feel so comfortable joking about him because he seems to have been a slightly self-professed difficult asshole mm-hmm. at the time. Now, when you watch the special features, like there's little little bonus clips for um, slow horses, and it's just him and Kristen Scott Thomas sitting there goofing around, and he's like fat and long-haired and gross-looking now on purpose. Um, you just feel like, oh, he made it. He made it. He's, he's chilled he's, out. Yeah. It's the best. Uh, I I mean, he's probably got, I'm sure he's got some. No, it's all you want for somebody. Still, uh, yeah. Uh, he, was a, he also was heavily method on this too. So he was very dejected and morose, morose throughout the whole thing. And um, we probably, I think that's probably another reason why Winona Ryder had a hard time with him. Yeah. I mean, it is such a funny uh uh, conflict of um, or or or, or um, contrast of actors that it's like not uh, American Western yeah Keanu Reeves Winona Ryder pinup people right I know. and and purposefully so they were cast for those reasons. and no um not just not theater based not. And this is in a like not like acting school base. No, and not they were like movie stars, not movie actors. Yeah, yeah. and they're amazing. Like I, Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder oh, together yeah. have given uh, yes. me two dozen worth of like separate performances that have brought me so much joy in my yeah. life. Uh, so it's not a, like they do what they do. It's just funny when it's up against them, like British. Gary Oldman, Anthony Hopkins, like these are like the Even best Sadie actors. Frost and Richard Grant, true that. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Who are so good in this movie, mm, without a doubt. Yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Richard Grant is interesting too. Like what this period was for him. Oh, like God, I love the that. the whatever sun shines on somebody after a indie hit, like yeah. with Neo and I. And then yeah. you're like, in eighteen months, you're in the player. Hudson Hawk and Bram Stoker's Dracula. And he wrote The Withnail Diaries, which are just stories of him on his different roles. I think he's a brilliant actor. Oh, yeah. also L.A. Story. He's amazing in L.A. Story. That's true. Too. Yes, 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 yes. I think he would make an amazing George Smiley one day, too, or maybe even now. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, so just weird having those, like, 
group of because I think they could all if they just weren't mixed up sometimes. There's just sometimes where you're like, whoa, we have to go from a Keanu Reeves line reading to a Gary Oldman line reading within like a, a ten it's seconds. Crazy! It is so jarring, and I think that doesn't do. He's he's miscast in this movie, and he's not doing a great job. But part of it is that he's like you said, up against these other people that just makes his acting look all the worse. I mean, there's a couple of full on oh. Ted, a Bill and Ted <laughs> readings. Like that, like when he first sees him in that Victorian getup, uh, not the first time he's in the getup, the first Whoa. time he, yeah, he goes, he's like, he's so young. And it's like ADR. It's like off screen. It's like, they use that. It's like, Oh, the circle K. Look at <laughs> something's afoot at Piccadilly Square. <laughs> uh, I mean, when I saw this in fucking fifth grade, I uh, sixth grade when we rented it at a sleepover, I remember f- hearing him first speak, uh-huh. and as a twelve year old, being like blown back by like, how is this happening in a movie? And this was right when he was in Much Ado About Nothing with Kenneth Branagh doing an English accent, because normally you get English actors playing Americans. This movie is one of those rare cases where there's a fair amount of Americans playing English people. So you got Keanu Reeves, Winona Ryder, um, Carrie Elwes, who made a career. Carrie Elwes in Dracula. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then... Um, um, Sorry, you said... Uh, uh, Tom Waits. Yes. And so it is... I think it is a real casting issue. If you put British people in your young British people, and there was no shortage of hot young British people... Put Sadie Frost in the Mina. Okay, I got a hunch. I, I got a theory about actors and Coppola pre and post. Uh, okay. Okay, this probably goes along with Godfather 3, too, because I know Sophia exactly. Coppola was what she was, but I, I'm not convinced Winona Ryder would have been good oh, casting good, for that yeah. movie either. Well, and around that time, too, is... Um, He's not uh, getting working to get Robert Duvall back for Godfather right. Part Three. He's like Robert Duvall wants a certain amount. Yeah, Francis Ford Coppola says no. Now he replaced Harvey Keitel with Martin Sheen on Apocalypse right. Now. Um, uh, Coppola is the man, like the master. So like, who am I to like? It's just. I don't think anybody would like disagree that he can be. Uh, what's awesome about it is this megalomania sometimes. Yeah. Like, and he I seems do to be like a benevolent megalomaniac. Yes, or yeah. He doesn't seem mean. Or, no, right, right, right. Like or cool uh, or anything. If anything is not. If anything, it's just like he has extreme sensitivity. You hear mm-hmm. how he talks about act, like. Uh, I think when he reached a certain point of success, he thought he could cast. His abilities as a director were so great, which they were, that he could cast anybody and make it work. Because uh, he yeah. did it with Apocalypse Now, maybe, or right. had done it in the past. And uh, like, so I, yeah. I think it was like, yeah, I know Keanu Reeves isn't right, but he looks from that era. We can make he's photogenic. He's box office, uh, you know, non poison. But just imagine you put Jude Law in that role. It's and re- Sadie Frost, and they're married. At Even the, for the tax write-off, you, you'd think you'd <laughs> want to use like these uh, actor um, oh, Jude Frost and Sa- Jude Law. Jude Law would be really and Sadie great. Frost because they ended up married. I don't know if they were at this time, so there would have been some real chemistry there. That would have been incredible. Yeah, because what is that? Karen, that is really good because Jude Law is. You, you feel like there's 
darkness in him. Like you can feel that. Like, so, cause that guy has to basically, that's what's a little Jonathan, the Keanu Reeves character is a little left wanting with that is like the, um, his big moment should be like when he's realizing like his wife is having like secret daydreams about Dracula and he's in her thoughts. And when we've all been there <laughs> and when he sees her, uh, um, he like in that he's, and she's like, I want to go to him. He's calling to me and he's like, no, stay with me. Like yeah. that more, it, it's not even just a performance thing. It's like an understanding of the emotion behind that. I, I, like that would be Jude Law having a sense of darkness, I think would understand in that moment, like what that yeah. is. That like is super a crazy God. moment. You understand then like where he's like, well, fuck this Dracula guy. I'm going to go kill it. Yeah. Like what yeah, he's doing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ray Fiennes would have been amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, hey, uh, um, yeah, and he also has to be uh, right, um, beautiful. Yes, no, like Ray. Fine, like I was looking at the uh, like casting what ifs on IMDb, so take it with a grain of salt. But unfortunately, they were all kind of in the Keanu mold. There were some better ones, but like Christian Slater was in there, and it's just all these hot American movie stars. You know, it would have been good because you say Christian Slater, and it uh, made me think of how he replaced. In interview with a vampire, another vampire, oh, right. uh, River Phoenix. Oh, River yes. Phoenix also, I think, would have been fully dedicated method style yeah. to nailing an accent, understanding that world. Absolutely. And Johnny Depp was apparently going to play been good the too. role. That would have been better. When on a writer, then yeah. it becomes like a real triangle. Of Which like, you need. You absolutely yeah. need. I mean, that's like the whole time there's almost a confusion of like, is she with Dracula now? Like, because <laughs> I would be with that this little like red muscles. Set. I love his slim, good body, oh. red armor. Oh, muscles. God, I love that suit. with the yeah. bat head. I love that. We'll get Lots into of the look looks. of this because yes. it's nothing like your, your grandfather's Dracula. You yeah. Know, which is amazing. Should we take a, a Bram Peters? A, a Bram soaker? Oh my God, that's so good. <laughs> a Bram Soaker's Dracula break? Yeah. Yes, please. We'll be right back. With and rest. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. With and rest. We're back. We're back. 
Now, Matt, you said uh, a couple of times here uh, that you the, uh, you you love this movie, and I love it too. Now, what do you? What are the aspects that you love about it? Because I have to imagine there are aspects that I love too. Yeah, I think it might be a little bit of a. Uh, the thing I love about it the most is that I can't put my finger on it exactly. Mm-hmm. Other than it's really easy to say how much I appreciate all of the um, old-fashioned mm-hmm. effects, the kind of uh, heightened sets that aren't very realistic and the like shadow puppetry. I saw this when I was 19 and it affected me just for whatever reason. I really liked it. I'd never read Dracula. So I immediately got the book. I loved it. It was my favorite book for a long time, even though it's, I guess it's very different than this movie. The book is, but it's the, this movie's the closest anyone gets to, to that book. But I, my understanding is they call it Bram Stoker's Dracula, not because it's so faithful to the book, which is what you would believe when you're going to see it, but because they didn't want universal to sue them. Wow. Yeah. Cause universal had the rights to like this, that to the green. Yeah. Uh But Dracula, the the novel was, you know, so it's like a, game public domain loophole yeah it's, uh, it's odd so originally they were going to just call it d and then dracula the untold it. story yeah mm-hmm. and then bram stoker's dracula and so then i got this kind of picture book from the movie that just had a lot of behind the scenes photos and oh, stuff cool i was very very into that there was a comic book actually brantley sent us this as well mm-hmm. but i had this it was like i think a four issue comic book of the movie almost shot for shot. It's illustrated by Mike Mignola, who is one of my favorite comic yeah, artists. Uh-huh. And it's so good. And then when Brantley sent it today, I feel like I'm going to go back and read that. And I don't know why I love this movie. I think because it's such a feast for the eyes. And mm-hmm. then it like takes you out with some of its bad acting and some of its good overacting. But then again, the whole presentation of this movie is so theatrical that it yes. doesn't draw you in. It's like it, it's like it forces you out because you want to be in it so much. So it's like the reverse uh-huh. of a push and pull uh-huh. where you're like, uh-huh. I'm so bored. I'm going out. No, you're like, I'm so interested. I'm going in, but it keeps going like, Oh, yeah, you want yeah, in? Yeah. You, you can't handle the truth. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I just, I wonder I, I, if that's the theater lover in you, maybe theater lover in it me too. That's the idea the seams, that yeah. I'm, you're seeing it and it's not necessarily about the full absorption. It's about this kind of like, push and pull yeah. of like admiration and artifice and, for the yeah. detail, the technique or something uh, like I know in the same way you're sitting with a group of people looking at a wall, but it, it well, the first time I saw it, I don't think I loved it. Mm-hmm. And it was like subsequent viewings where it really kind of spoke to me. And I think because I also was looking at all the effects and you're able to go, I think I know how that's done. I think I know how that's done. Mm, mm-hmm. And not only were they using mostly in-camera effects, they were using a lot of things that were effects magicians would have used at the time of the story taking mm-hmm. place in 1897. So mm-hmm. it's the invention of the camera and you're using that, but also smoke and mirrors, literally smoke and mirrors. Yeah, It's amazing. Yeah. And to use like contemporary craftsmen and, um, technology to create old school effects is so, I don't know. It's like yeah. bewitching. And I, I mean, I love it, it. Yeah. For me, it's the, 
the thing of this movie is yeah. that is the like endless visual yeah. invention and surprises and the fact that it it is all in camera all like it that it, it's just like it's breathtaking and yeah. the and the costumes and the I would love to production. see it on the big screen again. Yeah, I know, I know. Because you saw it in Westwood, yeah, you with a group of people mm-hmm. on opening weekend and stuff. Yeah, the when I saw it, we rented it at a sleepover, and it's so funny. We when I was watching it now, I hit the scene that I remember when we were in fifth or sixth grade watching it on video. Um, a boy sleepover, of course, a boy girl sleep. No, it's I just, just Paul and a bunch of girls. I, it just it wasn't like a hangout. It was like. So and so is having a sleepover at their house, and we're watching. They we've rented this R-rated movie, and you know that pretty spicy for young. It was. I mean, that's why we wanted to yeah. see it. You know, uh, we had heard things. I mean, my teacher, the one who said, uh, "Consult consenting adults takes a while to start," but <laughs> the the person who rented the movie told her it takes a while to start, but once it does, it's good. And I have to agree. That's what she said to us fifth graders. She was the one who told us, now I know a lot of people are going to see this new Dracula movie. It's satanic. Uh, Am I pronouncing that right? Uh Satanic, satanic. Uh, Satanic. And and there's nudity and violence and it's anti-God. Like We were like, whoa. And I remember I said, my sister saw it last weekend in the theater. And I don't know. I felt like I had to share that. I would share that. Now to you, I'd be like, my sister's on the theater. But I remember uh, I came home and I was like, so-and-so, Mrs. Uh, So-and-so was like really upset about Bram Stoker's Dracula. And uh, and I mentioned that Amy saw it. And I remember my mom being like, you don't have to be going and telling the teacher. Like everybody Our just family saw, secrets. Yeah, it just seemed like Bram Stoker's Dracula was like radioactive in, in our town. Wow. So it had this like allure. Wait, but this teacher was fine with consenting adults. That's but- the most bonkers part of this. Like when I finally watched, consen- so I watched Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula way before I ever saw yeah. consenting adults. I saw that when I moved out to California. I'm like, I'll watch this movie. And then it's about like, Wife swapping via sexual assault. Like the teacher was like, at no time does Dracula pull out a mini Uzi and start blasting these suburban homes. I mean, it speaks to whatever culture I grew up mm-hmm. in. That like, um, as long as Kevin Spacey might have been uh, 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 his character, like sexually assaulting people and. Uh, conniving his way to the top as long as he doesn't breathe fire onto a crucifix yes the movies are like there was something about its anti-godness your mom too was like you don't have to tell her that meaning like no one should know our family's going to see this satanic movie in this community yes i mean my mom's the best Uh, and so it wasn't like you know she was i didn't make it sound like she was like clutching her pearls but it was it was more just like yeah exactly it was like Oh, okay. Well, whatever. I, I, I can edit it out, but I truly didn't understand what you said. Okay, it's okay because I haven't said anything bad. And who no. cares? I love this teacher 
for I don't all the think reasons the name that... was intelligible. Do you want me to edit that out or keep no, it? No, it's okay. Okay. Right? It's okay, too I complicated tr- with the live stream. and. Well, we can't do anything about the live stream. They're going to yeah. go straight to this teacher's doorstep and give her hell. Um, I truly didn't understand what you said. Okay. Okay. Uh, and you know what? No, we got to go. I, I'm going to clap. Okay. And then all we'll do is when the name is said, you just have to go drop the name, the, the last name, and we can talk all this. You don't have to worry about any of these cutting stuff okay, together. Okay, but let's clap so I know where to go. Yeah, to. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. That's just a look inside the process, listener. Oh, my gosh. And uh, do you need a sound that was inserted over her name yes, here? Yes, please. Okay. So they're going to listen for Look two minutes first. and then they're going to go, what the hell was that? And I like that. Now you got your answer. Okay. Uh, and the people in the live screen, oh my gosh, they're probably just searching now, going back, digging up, kicking up rocks, searching for breadcrumbs. Yeah. We got to find that name. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so. Well, wow, what uh, a journey. That was a, a journey to the so, stars. <laughs> I don't know where that leaves us. But oh, so when I, I said that satisfied, we read it in the sleepover okay. and it was like built up. Oh my God. This is the movie that Mrs. Doesn't want to, that was a live one. Doesn't want to us to see. We watched it and, uh, everything that I loved about love about it now that it's basically like an art film or it's like an experimental film. Yeah. Uh, I re- I saw the scene today that I remember, a group of 12-year-old boys be like, what the fuck is this? When, <laughs> when Redfield, when Tom Waits is in the cell and there's like 30 minutes left of the movie and he's like, but you promised me I'd live forever. Yeah. We're like, we thought this was... A, it's like uh, that scene in The Simpsons where they're all stoked to see Barton Fink. Is Dracula pound for pound, movie to movie, the most underserved literary character of all time. I love this movie, but there's never been, because there's millions of vampire movies and there's never really been a good Dracula. There's the Frank Langella one. There's the George Hamilton one, getting back to Francis Ford Couple and some recasting. Uh, uh, Leslie Nielsen. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, you, you're not a Lugosi head. No, I am, but I just mean literary Dracula, because that's that's not... Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. There's like never really been... Oh, and then there's recently this movie, The Last Voyage of the Demeter, too, which mm-hmm. is just about the ship's voyage, which I hear that movie's not really good, which is a bummer, because that is probably my favorite chapter in that book. Damn. And, and another thing... I mean, I, I loved in this movie the vignettes, the little, like, you can have just a moment of, like, yeah. going and telling a story for three minutes. That vignette of the uh, the ship was yeah. amazing. Yeah. The, the other thing about this book is it's written all... Every chapter is someone's journal entry. So oh, the, right all on. the narrators are the characters. And this was the movie that got me reading, which I'm sad to say. I was 19 when I saw this, and I think I could count the books I'd read on one hand. I'd read... The Last Starfighter novelization, Last Crusade novelization. Now that I think of it, any movie with last, last, probably last of the Mohicans. I don't know. But after this, I read Dracula and I was so in love with it that I just started reading a lot of classics. And, Damn. and to this day, I would I go through definite periods. But right now I'm like in such a voracious reading period. Mm-hmm. And it makes me so happy. I'm going all through the Le Carres of the George Smiley books. Right and, now. Yeah. And I just, oh man, some of them I've already read, but 
I'm just doing that and then following them up with the movies where they exist. And I love it. Like Francis Ford Coppola made you go get a library card. I just love uh, <laughs> reading a book and then watching a movie, even if the movie's not good, but mm-hmm. to just see a version of it visually is so satisfying. A vision of something that you had in your head first. And yeah. Then, yeah. And this, cool. the, this was the opposite, but mm-hmm. I was able to read the book with those. I do love reading the book with the movie actors in mind. Yeah. Oh, Yes. <laughs> Well, uh, there's two things there that I the, wanted to expand on for, with you. Um, uh, the, the Him doing um, special effects yeah. and stuff. Uh, the um, Oh, oh, oh. Uh, well, first of all, we wanted to ask, like, well, yeah, the Dracula vampire story. So you read the book then? Mm-hmm. And when you read it, what hit are you getting? Like, what what about the Dracula story, the vampire story is like? Well, I think I was really a little confused because all you ever hear through your lifetime is like, of all the scary characters, Dracula is the like most sensual and lusty. Mm -hmm. So when you read Bram Stoker's Dracula, especially after having seen this movie, you're left a little cold. There's no, it's not as lusty as the no, movie. No, and there's no prologue, no past lives, mm-hmm. none of that. I mean, Dracula has been alive, undead all this time, mm-hmm. but he was never married to a princess that ends up being Mina Harker. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and there's no sex in it, you know? Huh. It's, I think there's probably like a sense of that Findisiacla sort of contemporary England morals of the time that you if you read between the lines but as someone who's reading this in the 90s i'm just going like soap operas are way more sexy than this you know but Mm -hmm. there is a Mm -hmm. um (laughs) there's just a rich world and i was so into like english culture and especially like historically english culture to kind of just go from london to Uh have this this ghoulish man and they're on the hunt for him there's a lot more to the the guys, the band of the these suitors that I, I really liked. And I like, I guess with this movie too, they sent the suitors all off to bond. Hmm. And part of that, that wasn't intended was Gary Oldman set himself back from them because he wanted to seem alien to them. So hmm. it, I, I, I love Quincy who's at Holmwood and mm-hmm. I can't remember the doctor's name, but I just love their little trio and how their rival suitors, but they're, they're working for the greater good and they're good to each other. And I've yeah. always loved that. Yeah. 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 And I, that's why I just wish Harker was an actor of the three, their three caliber. Cause I really like Carrie Elwes and uh-huh. um, Billy Campbell and, and of course, Richard E. Grant. He's amazing. Yes. Yeah. So the love story was, um, uh, more put in the foreground with this adaptation than in the book. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to remember if there's even much of a contemporary love story when Dracula gets to London with, I forget what it is, but it's it, nothing yeah. like this. I mean, the visual stuff is amazing. I could watch this movie like truly like 500 more times just yeah. to take in like, um, and that's probably my favorite thing about Coppola movies is like the sumptuousness, like, um, one from the heart has like a lot of those like in camera stuff. And then, you know what this movie reminds me is kind of like, I'd never seen Dracula from the beginning, but when I watched it, I was like, it feels like one from the heart. Plus, um, did you ever see his like art film version of Rumblefish? 
No, it was a separate edit. Uh, no, uh, I, I, I'm sorry. He adapted Rumblefish, but oh. it's an art movie. I, okay. It's like no, really weird um, and uh, experimental. But the um, Dracula feels like a marriage of like those two because also one from the heart is about like love and a love that's like faded to be and mm. and um, but when I was watching like the movie I did think like yeah visually I love it the any love story that's like a love that transcends time and yeah. I, I never I shouldn't say never it's just rare for me to I can't get into broad, not broad, cosmic love, big sweeping stories of love love. story. Yeah. 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 They're they're just like, I I don't know because they don't necessarily focus on particulars because if they did, then that would start robbing it of its kind of like grandness feeling. If you saw how they like bicker, (laughs) right? but like, but then it got me feeling I'm a little bit of like a, am I a Scrooge of uh, romantic stories? Because uh. in movies in general, like my favorite movies don't, aren't really. Well, I don't think these type of things play as well today because we are a lot more liberal in our romance in real life now, but in a Victorian era, you're not even allowed to touch a person until you get married. So it's, all of it is a myth until you experience it. So to read or see something like this where it's star-crossed and cosmic and takes place mm. through time is just removed enough that real romance is removed. Yeah. So you might as well just daydream about it all. Well, now that, you see it and you can't identify with it because you go, I don't know, I just call up. Yeah. Well, as long as uh, it's all eras too, the era that I like was like, oh, there's something different about this coming out in 1992 um, than it is now. Like the idea of you find a love that it's about the transfusion of like blood and fluid that then like commits you in body, but also your own body. Like there's times that they refer yeah. to the, the venereal disease, right? And he says civilization and civilization yeah. have both uh, uh, run uh, together, parallel or whatever he says. But like the, um, we're getting it's just like the AIDS was at its peak in 1991 when this was being made in 92 when it re- released. This was like when it was probably at the most forefront of people's mind of a, like, it, yeah. it's an epidemic. How are we treating it best? So, that feels like it's in there somehow. Just like the the focus on like, I think so. Blood exchanging blood, and then how that immediately sets you on a course for like your body's decomposing. Yeah, <laughs> so, and yeah. Close ups of microscopic platelets and stuff. Yeah. I'm sorry to be so jabberjaw on this one, but I have. I am. I'm no, the jabberjaw. Three quick things. So please. Four quick things. Please. There's a cut scene from this movie that was deemed too gross where Dracula forms into a giant blood clot and then just like explodes or something. Oh, interesting. And then Mina's also in like a room filled with blood. There's some like shining yes. feel on that. Yeah. Um, also, this this movie got me really into Dracula. So I started reading about Vlad Tepes, who's Vlad the Impaler. Damn. Which, if I'm not mistaken, Bram Stoker's Dracula is not 
that historical character. So that was mm-hmm. a real person who then later the Dracula myth, I think, got attached to him because he would impale people. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, Dracul means son of the dragon. And he was like his family, his dad was Dracul, and they were all this order of the dragon. And that's what that cool. all means. And I was like obsessed with that for a while. Then, oh, oh I forgot one. That was uh, one of the four? Yeah, and now, that was two of the four. Two of the four, okay. Now. I forgot the third. I bet I'll come when you do the fourth. The other one is unrelated, that when you mentioned <laughs> uh, Leslie Nielsen, just the title, Dracula, Dead and Loving It, I never thought about how funny a title that is. <laughs> Dracula, Dead and Loving It. Yeah, it is really good. It should have been the title of Bram Stoker's Dracula if they were trying to make sure they were legally clear from Universal. <laughs> Just call it Dracula, Dead and Loving It. Oh, uh, What was the fourth? The third uh, of the fourth. Was it a bridge to uh, the first two to Leslie Nielsen? What else were we talking about? Prior, right up to that. Coppola's movies, uh, AIDS, uh, blood. Just, I'm going to have to let it go and have faith that it will But there out. is that stuff of like, um, he cries blood onto the letter. Yeah. Her teardrops turn to jewels. Like, yeah, I, what you're, what, when you mentioned that he turns into a blood clot, it made me think of like, oh, all the different transformations that do occur, like, fluidly yeah um the um the thing i was going to say just about um what coppola was doing at this time and what i think is particularly like charming now when you watch it or or not charming like in a quaint way it's just like in a charming is not the word like a wow there's so much passion on screen um is like you know, 1991 is like Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you got this digital, the first like digital robot dude. And then um, 1993 is Jurassic Park. And after that, it's like. It's early yet to be going to practical effects as quaint. Yeah. But yeah. what I'm it, 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 in the same way that I'll watch movies from 1990 to 92 that have practical effects that are mind-blowing because they've reached the full yeah. peak before they were jumped over. So like right. Robocop 2, yeah. Gremlins 2, they're like they're really at like a Terminator 2. Yeah. Uh, but it's really even more amazing to watch it now and be like, oh, it was right in between stuff really radically changed. Yeah. Like it thought it was being, oh, look at what the history of special effects in movies is like now. But like, they didn't even know what was going to happen over the next 25 years to even know how that would be extra yeah. clean. Um, but uh, the... Um, did you think of your... No. Uh, it's lost. It's, it has crossed and been lost to ocean Because uh, I was going to say, with the love story aspect... Um, I do. I one of my favorite movies uh, is Shampoo, and that's a, a love story. I so I shouldn't. That. But um, the uh, I on my end with Dracula, I like the world and the atmosphere, particularly of this movie, but of vampires and Draculas <laughs> and Draculas. But I don't. Um, I can never like transport myself into 
the vampire or the victim, like the yeah. whatever the yeah, I get metaphor that. is. Right. I I can always admire it, but I I I can't find my in. It's, uh, it's yeah. I think also vampires and zombies have suffered the like they've been assimilated too much into film culture now. So with Twilight and all the post 2000 zombies movies, like zombies probably peaked with 28 days later for me. Mm -hmm. And then it became fair game for everyone in there everywhere. And I just couldn't be more bored by a genre. Yeah. That Dawn of the dead remake too, around the 28 days later, that was like peak. It's ruined it for me where I don't even want to go back and see the good ones. And that's Mm -hmm. on me, but Mm -hmm. I'm just saying I, I'm just so disinterested in zombies. I'm, I run that risk with vampires Cause they're just kind of like, they've also been like memed to an inch of their lives too. But yeah, this is the last vampire thing I think I care to see. Yeah. Were you uh, in an interview with the vampire? I mean, I saw it and it's, yeah, it was awful even at the time, but yeah. I really enjoy watching it, you know? Yeah. Cause yeah, the, like, um, that movie feels like it's about, it's I think funny, that like was the, the, the other the ruination that began the ruination of it. Yeah. Those Anne Rice books. Yeah. Well, the metaphors of like, um, that it's the lust for blood is the lust for lust for the body and uh-huh. sex and stuff. And, but also pleasure. Like, so it either seems like, yeah, there are movies about that or like an interview with the vampire seemed like it was like a drug movie or something like, Oh, you get addicted to blood and your whole life is tortured about like having to yeah. like, um, but the, uh, cause I was going to say with the vampire story being that way, I don't know. Like, um, it's too like sexy. Like it's too, Vampires are too sexy for me. I, I well, like, but don't you think they're a little try-hard sexy? Is that the thing where it's <laughs> it's also a little bit like, ooh, isn't this sexy one? For me, maybe you and me, we find subtlety a little bit more sexy than wearing your sexiness on your sleeves, especially with a metaphor for like orgasming on drinking blood. You yeah, know? It's, yeah, it's yeah. A little on the nose, let's say. I mean, I guess I did like the part, the stuff of like in this, that like. Dracula is like the worst ex-boyfriend from high school who's still into you that you could ever have. Yeah, yeah. And it's like the uh-huh. that level of pat like it's that, teenage shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. I can see like that's so funny that it's just like everybody just cool out for a fucking <laughs> moment, guys. Uh, uh well you do this whole movie you want to go, Mina. Um what's uh Lucy, Mina. Any one of those three suitors is a better choice than Dracula, <laughs> Dracula or Jonathan. So, yeah, yeah. You've got even a doctor. Van yeah, even well, yeah. You've got a doctor. <laughs> you've got some kind of landed gentry playboy. I don't know, and uh, uh, you know, Texan. Come on. Yeah. I mean, frankly, I think you should choose the doctor. It sounds like a newlywed game panel or a dating yeah, game panel. Yeah. Uh, I think your choice is you start with the doctor. If that doesn't work out, you go to Carrie Elwes. Then you go to Billy Campbell. Then I guess you go to Jonathan, and then if you have to, no, then you go Van Helsing, then you go Renfield, then you go oh, Renfield, you go number six. No one in their right mind would w- want to be with that Dracula, I guess. But maybe he's got some kind the, of the chemistry. Gary Oldman Dracula. Yeah. Oh no, I think 
people would want to shack up with that. Teenagers, yeah, but yeah. you want to marry that guy? <laughs> no, 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 no. no. He, uh, the date, he's the F. Yeah, exactly. Yes, he's the F. Or 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 the K. Yeah, good luck. With a yeah, you're gonna need a steak, buddy, and a yeah. sharp sword. Yeah, some garlic. Uh, yeah, the, uh, I love the beheadings in this too. They're like so yeah. clean and swift and I then know. like the artifice head, how yeah. it falls. Um, oh, so yeah, I love how vampires look, all the trappings and stuff. Um, they, they are everywhere. They're like ubiquitous. Give me more Wolfman, baby. And Frankensteins, but and, not these I Frankenstein Aaron Eckhart shit. And, and. I do want to revisit Kenneth Branagh's Frankenstein, but I just never love Wolfman proper... that it's like a regular person. Yeah, you can't control at night what you do, and then you wake up and you're like, "What did I do?" I don't even mean in terms of like drinking or right. going out and partying. I just mean like you're usually two different people, and you're trying to rest. Like that is such a. And then why hasn't anybody done like not since American Werewolf in London has done like. A really cool transformation scene that's like Cronenberg know, level, where you actually be, see it'd be all makeup. Now. But it would be awesome if somebody did actual makeup, fleshy like oh. tufts of fur, like coming out of uh, skin um, oh, well, uh, pores, when like pores opening up and thick tussles of fur coming out. Would be amazing. When Dracula shows his palms and he's got white furry palms. This? Yes. Did you not see? I miss that. No, and he hands. He's been a whacking off for too much. So I think that's it. And he's blind. Uh, But then to your Frankenstein, I I also like Frankenstein's stories too. Blue Lagoon, creature from the Blue Lagoon. No, Black Lagoon. Yes, that's a different creature. I'll tell you about the creature from the Blue Lagoon. Brooke Shields. Now that's a creature I didn't write into my blow lagoon. The real scary creature of the Black Lagoon is any director that's going to put children of that age topless. Randall Kleiser? <laughs> Known pedophile? Ooh, ooh, no, 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 no. I was just saying he directed that movie. Yes, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> What else? Anything else about this movie? I, I didn't write notes because I just wanted to take it all in. Uh, I the wrote, costumes are fucking incredible. You know what? I wrote mine on pencil. I Whoa. think I basically said all I had to say, but I'll uh, scan these real quick. Um, uh, the what did you say is fantastic? The costumes, yes, unbelievable. The makeup. Oh, the makeup is so good. I was yeah. just I looked down. There's all his different. The looks in terms of fashion are amazing, but the ter- looks in terms of old man makeup yeah. is like off the chain. Yeah. The wrinkles. I know. And what's it's your not favorite so look? Stiff. I think it's the first one where he's got that kind of, I don't even know how you would describe that. The butt head. The, the butt head with yeah. the long ponytail. Yeah. Oh my God. It's amazing. Yeah. Cause the skin is good. And then the hair and then the outfit, the like kimono. I always remember. Cause I, I always loved the Simpsons, but I never really watched it regularly, but uh-huh. there was one episode. Doesn't he go visit Mr. Burns at his house and he's got uh, that. Of hair. course. <laughs> and, uh, two really great jokes of that with the shadow does uh you see the shadow doing different things it like pulls out a yo-yo and does a little yo-yo trick <laughs> the shadow uh that's really funny and then a true lol anytime you watch the episode um they homer puts a stake into like smithers or 
no Mr. Burns uh, chest. Like they open up the tube and they put it and he goes, ah, ah, and he puts it in and Lisa goes, dad, that's his crotch. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a Jimmy House of Horror? Yeah, I gotta, I gotta watch yeah. that. Well, the Shining. Season. When we talked about the Shining, the Shining is. I've never seen that uh, top I'm notch. Do that with Glenn. Post haste. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Speaking of watching fun stuff with your daughters, um, I did it this morning, dude. I showed the bar segment from Gremlins to Mary. Oh, I mean, the thing I've told think? you, I think, is like the peak of mo- like yeah. and not being yeah like it's. Yeah, the happiest I am is it's in those the five incline minutes of Western civilization. <laughs> yes, after that it was all downhill. Yeah, because uh, we were watching uh, the Amazing World of Gumball, this cartoon that she likes, and they did a uh, Gremlins riff, uh, like a spoof, and she dug it. Uh, she called me into the room and was like, "Hey, I want you to see this episode because oh I think you'd God. like it, and I like it." And I was like, "Well." <laughs> They're spoofing. They're making references to gremlins. Would you want to see a scene from Gremlins? Did, like, did she know what gremlins were? She just felt you. She knows what they are because she'll see Gizmo oh, on right. toy counters yeah. in toy stores, and now there's this new Gizmo show that's on right. Max that they're advertising a lot. So I think she sees that too. So how did she like the bar scene? She loved oh, it. God. She had a big smile on her face. The jokes were still landing. Oh. She, and it, I can tell it's a pity. I'm going to yeah. make, I don't want to hurt dad's feelings. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a genuine, like, so I'm stoked. I mean, when she's at the age that she can see a blender bl- or a, a, a gremlin blow up in a microwave and die in a blender. Then <laughs> oh she'll see my God, it. But, that's great. Um, but what did you, um, you and Glenn watching Simpsons, that's fun. We, we will. We haven't, but we will. Because yeah. it's a cartoon that's uh, yeah, she's, funny. I probably have shown her a couple things ahead of her time than I should, but we're mostly into Studio Ghibli, but like the the real like sweet ones like Kiki's Delivery Service and Totoro and Ponyo. What does she think when she sees those? She I saw Ponyo in the Kiki's theater with Delivery Service, yeah. and now she's really starting to take to Totoro. Her mm. birthday's coming up, and I bought her a stuffed Totoro and. Uh, yeah, I shared the story on the live stream, so forgive me, guys, for uh, resharing it. But uh, I'll tell everybody here when I went to Matt's house yesterday to do the Cozy Awards, I saw Glenn outside, and she was so cute, so funny. And uh, she stuck her tongue out at me, and I stuck my tongue back out at her, and then I used my tongue to t- touch my nose, you know, the tip of my yeah. nose with the top end of my tongue. And I show Glenn, and I'm like, Glenn, can you uh, stick your tongue out and touch your nose? And she sticks out her tongue, and with her fingertip, she touches the end of her nose. Yeah. Oh my classic. god! So classic great. joke, and she didn't even know it was. A I but it was a, like, yeah. a, she was had a smile on her face because it was like, "Hey, we're doing fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like it's all fun talking." About. Uh, but um, yeah, I can't. She's turning two. Yeah, she turned two. That's. Perfect. That's so great. Uh, both of our daughters have birthdays in October, and they're very lucky because yeah. you get the the atmosphere, the trappings of uh, Halloween. I know. I know. Um, the uh, uh, yeah, I think that's um, everything that uh, I had to say. Uh, definitely wanted to know your fave look. Um, I do think mine is the top hat and glasses. Re- I remember the seeing 90s. it and going like those purple sunglasses. Honestly, 
this movie's batshit crazy, and that was the one thing that took me out of the movie. I love it. And there's a part later when it gets like knocked off or something, and he becomes a demon with that haircut, and it looks like oh, when Danzig. He's crying. Yes, yes. <laughs> Like that when he's Glenn crying, Danzig, and he's, yes, because he looks like he's wearing like a '70s tuxedo and he's been stood up at prom, but yes! he's an old, decrepit man. Yes, <laughs> that's perfect. Um, the um, yeah, the only thing I was gonna say was whatever. Um, going back to the um, last thing about a. This year, this era, this time, you were going to Westwood Theater, mm-hmm. having a great time. Yeah. Um, the the further we get away from it, that 1992, Matt, I'm starting to think of it as a true pivot point. It's like a year after Desert Storm, mm. and I think something happened there where people were like, what was that? Were we all sheep? We're not sheep. What mm. the fuck are we doing here? Because yeah. after that, it's just like an explosion of the counterculture becoming mainstream. But you could also just say, hey, 92 is when Bill Clinton's elected. He's yeah. the first baby boomer in the office. And they are fully at the controls now. Right. Like, And still are. That's what's fucking crazy. That's true. The thing is, though, once you put your punctuation mark on, like, you know, the most boomerang movie is, like, Oliver Stone's JFK for me, like, Fall of 91. Yeah. Like, once you kind of, like, it's almost like once your generation becomes president, you automatically are lame because everything yeah. after that, like, ushered in all this new stuff that they didn't like, you know, like, Bill Murray hate hated Chris Farley and Adam Sandler, I guess. Just like, uh, yeah. like, oh, right. This old guard fucking hated this new guard. Yeah. So whatever this time period, when I go back to it and watch movies, it's just, it seems like it's a, a really, oh, but it's also when Reservoir Dogs and Alien 3 came out. Yeah. So you're seeing this kind of like dying of the film brats, but seeing something really new, like Nevermind is replacing dangerous Michael Jackson's dangerous on the billboard charts at number one. I, you being 19, I'm like, I wish I could have been there. Paul, like that would have been I really a better conveyance of this because when you say that nevermind replaces dangerous to me, it was Van Halen's for unlawful carnal knowledge is simply replacing Van Halen's. Oh, you ate one too. But the promise of uh, whatever, I mean, the Clintons are dorks now. Nobody likes them. But like at the time yeah. <laughs> when that, that summer, that fall, that had like, you were seeing this probably two weeks before he was elected president. I just wasn't, I was just so naive, I think. And I, you it know, didn't feel remember I was raised conservatively like, too. So yeah, it was all uh-oh. I could do to not vote for Bush, <laughs> much less appreciate that a, a, someone like Clinton, regardless of his current day, you know, we have a way more hindsight on that. Now his second term. Yes. Then I was finally there for that to appreciate and, and, and voted for Dole. He didn't win. So you're like, okay, I got to accept, uh, support my president. I did vote for, you didn't vote for Dole. No, I didn't. I think I actively didn't vote. You know, I voted, but not for president or no, I know I wrote in my theater history teacher. 
Isn't that's that awesome. That's stupid. <laughs> no, because I was hoping he'd win. If other oh, people he was wrote Bill him Clinton. in. Yeah, Bill yes. Clinton was my theater history teacher. Um, yeah, uh, I cast my first vote in 2000. And uh, you want to know who I voted for? 2000. Nader? Nader. Yeah. Of course. See, you're already so finger on the, like the. No, I'm already annoying. <laughs> And pretentious. <laughs> I did vote for Bush my first time. His first. Well, Glenn's got a magic microphone. Yeah, because she's hearing you voted for Bush this I first know. time. What? Not George W. Bush. I voted for oh. in 88 was my first election. Okay, 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 yeah. okay, okay. I voted. I, that's no, a different sorry. thing. That's yeah. a different thing. Okay, okay, okay. No. Uh, uh, Herbert Walker. And I would never, even if you voted for yeah. George W. Bush, you know, I, uh, I stopped talking <laughs> to you. Guys, sorry, politics is politics. Oh, uh, no. Uh, uh, the, uh, um, I just want to say the asterisk to me voting for Nader. I voted in Iowa. Iowa uh, yeah. year, that year went, uh, to the demic went blue. Right. And so my, it's not like my vote to Nader meant Bush won Iowa. Right. And, okay. Look, take it, take a okay. break. We're a couple of, we're finding our feet politically in those times, everyone. So what was it for me? It was Nader, W. Bush, Obama, Obama, Trump, Trump. Yep. That's my voting record. Just wanted to get that out there. W. Bush? I'm kidding. Uh, oh, the the Obamas were the Obamas are true. The okay. two Obamas, but I was mixing it up, throwing a curveball when I threw a fast, and then a down the pike. <laughs> Starting in '88, it went for me. It went Trump, 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 <laughs> Trump. And All then right. I finally, finally, didn't have to write them in. It was amazing. Should we read some Zenos and then yeah, we'll the best kill and let's then do it, this sucker. Let's do it. Fun, fun. Let me bring them up. Um, no, it was Nader. Kerry, Obama, Obama, Clinton. Okay. Uh, and Biden. Okay. Um, oh my gosh, I just got my wings. Because I stated a voting record that a lot of people probably agree with. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I could go to heaven now. Uh, Chris Ripley wants a shout out to This Means Ripper from Paul. Uh Say that again. I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, just this. this oh, means uh, oh, this means Ripper instead of this means this. Oh, yes. Means uh, Ripper. I, I didn't even put it together. Thanks, Ripper. Um, Hi, Zaf. This goes out to Zach Glenn's brother, Walker Glenn. Must be nice to have your name named after and thing that you use when you're old and can't do what the name of the thing is in the first place. <laughs> yes. Sick burn. <laughs> Um, um, uh, okay, just a straight up yeah. shout out to Brandon Mindel. And then, uh, how about Thanks, Brandon? Uh, a shout out to Izzy for being the good golly Miss Molly Polly to my Matt. Hey. That's Jesse Daly sending that out to Izzy. Jesse Daly. Um, oh, guess what? Hello, court's in session, because here I am to say Matt Shubitz, you Shubitz, a lot off more than you could chew. Now, Your Honor, that's just a sample of some of the comedy I like to get into my court brief, so as to, <laughs> so as to uh, kind of distract you from bad rulings. <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, shout out to Daniel Silver. Daniel Silver. Uh, it'd be good if you guys could put this in caps if you want anything so I could... F- Caps. Find it. I don't think. Although I think this person just wants a all caps. Sounds like my hat rack. Fashion shout out. Okay. Um. Hi, my name is Ryan Fleming, don't you see? And I'm here to shout out Brian Sampson and Delilah. Ooh, the best. You do the the voice um, when it's best for that name. Brian Sampson sounds Um, fantastic. And this is just a shout out to Brian Garcia. Brian Garcia, we'll read that later. Thank you. Uh, he said, so yeah. we'll, uh, <laughs> we, do, we do appreciate that. Well, we will say the shorter and more succinct your shout out messages, the better. It would you'd help us out. Hey, um, it's kind of like Paul Simon's body. The shorter, the better. <laughs> Matt and Overholt. All caps. <laughs> shout out to Matt Overholt. Um, Matt Overholt. Oh, hello, Zeno. Kristen, I got to shout out you, especially because right there in the subject title, Zeno, Kristen, and Ozzy from Durham, North Carolina, Southern Lawyer, please. That just, I have to say, I come in here today thinking I got to do a ton of work, but I got all my work done because of Kristen. Shout out to you. Kristen LaZoya brought the the clarity. Yeah, and to Ozzy, and that means I can take the rest of the day off and go sip a phosphated soda down at (laughs) Dylan's Pharmacy. I don't know. Dylan's? I don't know. I don't want to go there. Um, uh, Okay. Uh, 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 Okay. Uh, Uh, I love my mama, do. Oh. I remember this. Okay, now this is a special shout out. In fact, we got a couple special shout outs hey, today. If you right. bear with us, now this is um, Zach Lemon who has a band called Vague Pains, and uh, he and I had a back and forth just because he uh, it was asking us about our music and whatnot and such. But cool. if you can give Vague Pains a listen on just the way it sounds like it's spelled vague, as in the word. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, I seem buddy. to have dined on some blood platelets. I'm not a vampire. I'm a southern <laughs> Yeah, boy. right. Uh, if I was a vampire, though, I'd be in Anne Rice's interview with the... Um, no, wait. Um, um, dis- deposition of the vampire. Okay, vague pains. <laughs> I'd like to see you represent Lestat. <laughs> Stat. Vague veins on bandcamp.com. Check them out because they got... I mean, I really did enjoy... The music, so yeah, give, wonderful. Give it a listen. Okay, okay. Oh, hey, it's a me, Wato. I'm from Sicily. Um, this go out to Tyler Flora, and don't forget to each pronounce the last syllable of your Parmigiano and your prosciutto. Okay, uh, we also got here a new no-no for Janelle Bickle, if you don't mind, Paul. New no-no. If your name's Janelle Bickle, and this sounds like you might be a redneck. It's not. No, no, no. <laughs> Janelle Bickle. Uh-oh, Watto, come again. For he to say, Kristen is, oh, the most nefarious. Say it with me. The most nefarious member of Pinhead's court. <laughs> oh, one more new no-no for Joel Gaddis. Uh, new no-no, Joel Gaddis. I got you, Gaddis. Gaddis and Got both start with a G. Not now. No, no, no. No No words ever start with G's. (laughs) Thanks, uh, Joel Gaddis. And then two more special shout outs. Uh, Listener Ira Marks sent in these young uh, reader 
graphic novels that take place having to do with classic films like Shark Summer, which mm. takes place in and around the Jaws world, as well as Spirit Week, which is Shining-influenced. I haven't had a chance to read them. I just uh, received them, and he and I have had a bit of a back and forth. Seems like a wonderful guy, super talented. Check these out. Spirit Week and Shark Summer. Ooh, hey, Spirit Week and Shark Summer by Ira Marks. I-R-A, last name M-A-R-C-K-S. And then finally... um, I don't, I don't know how much detail I can go into about this story, but the wife of a listener of ours wrote in with a truly touching story and that has a happy ending, but one of our listeners was, um, I believe, unconscious for a number of weeks and uh, the prognosis was not good. They, I think, have had a full recovery, but when they awoke and even though they couldn't speak, Tyler was his name, he um, motioned for a pen and wrote with Gorley and Rust, The Shining, and wanted to listen to us as he recovered. And Man. oh, that's when I got that special. email, that's it nice. was truly, truly touching. And I knew you would appreciate yeah, that too. So, thanks, Tyler. thank you for sending us. Yeah. And Tyler, so so glad to hear you are doing better, and um, that we were, no matter how small a part, you know, a part of your recovery. Because oh yeah, we love you as hell. We yeah. love you, and uh, we're so glad you're getting better. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can be a uh, have your name shouted out by subscribing at the Baby Xenomorph level and emailing us at withgorleyandrustpod at gmail.com. What, Paul, was your best kill? Oh, yeah. Uh, um, my best kill was... Oh, oh, oh. Um, I liked it um, the, when they killed Lucy. Me too. Yeah. I mean, that whole... I mean, it's not... That's, she dies a couple times, frankly. Yeah, so the part where she gets her head yeah, chopped up, the final death. And, and then, that, that whole sequence of them going oh, down to so the... So good. Um, there's, I, I was just looking over my notes to see if there was a couple things. Uh, and one of the things was Lucy. Uh, it is funny to me how she like always wants to kiss the guy in front of his friends. I know. <laughs> I know. And he's like uncomfortable both because she's like a vampire, but also he's like... PDAs. I'm not comfortable <laughs> with them. You are, but I'm not. You do remember we're living in the Victorian era. <laughs> um, uh, the other thing I was going to say, too, was um, the... Uh... Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Take your time. No, no, checking no. Checking things here anyway. Um, I will uh, say, while you're looking for that, mm-hmm. I can say that... Please. Our, uh, as stated, this will uh, you know come out a week later for you free listeners. You could have gotten it a week earlier, but we will be back on October the 13th on the Patreon feed with the Yuppie Nightmare Season 2, and that'll be out a week later on the free feed. So if you want to get on the ground floor of that, the first movie will be After Hours, and uh, join us back then. In the meantime, there are mailbags, and we're going to do a commentary for the for Halloween six, both versions at the same time. What other podcast can promise that? Um, no one. Yeah, not one. Um, oh, I did. I have a question. This is a before we um, rank it um, or rate it. Uh, I like. Why did he become a like? You know, I like Wolfman. I stated that, mm, yeah. but there's sometimes where he becomes a, a furry creature. Is that in the book or? Yeah, I believe it is. He's a he's a wolf. That's how he kills everybody on the Demeter. You don't really see it in this movie, but he 
See, I think the thing is the Wolfman invention came along later or was driv- drawn from this. But in Dracula, he is more than just a bat. He's a wolf. He's, I think he can turn into rats. They say it in this. He, he does into turn rats. into rats. A mist. There's a part where all the rats come out. And yeah. then that green mist I love too. Yeah. How it goes up under the blanket. How do How do they do that? How do they do that? Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I think, I'm wondering if the Wolfman legend comes from Dracula. I don't know. But yeah. That's that's interesting. There's a line in this with Anthony Hopkins' voiceover where he's like, contrary to popular belief, you know, because they oh. have to undo all the movie lore that's been done. Yeah, know? we. I uh, was telling my wife about the one that was like, contrary to popular belief, vampires can go out in the daylight. They yeah. just don't prefer it. Yes. <laughs> uh, but the, um, yeah, the, because th- that scene when the wolf came in and like bit her, I liked it, you know, because it's a wolf and, and stuff. And it looked good, I think. Yeah. Oh, it's and awesome. And when he's the bat, looks so good, too. Yes, yeah. All the times he turns into the different yeah. creatures. But the way he kind of, like, the digging into her um, and that she liked it. Like, I did, I wanted a, a little bat to play in. I gotta say, oh, I was yeah. a little disappointed I, <laughs> yeah. that there was. No, I know that they were probably working against the cliches of a right. Dracula movie, yeah. but I gotta say, I really missed a little bat flight and it's like giving <laughs> kisses to a girl, <laughs> like waking her up. She's like, "Oh, a bat!" and kisses it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, okay, so what do you what do you rate in this? Uh, you go first because I, I just want to see if I'm in left field. Um, yeah. Oh, I'll say, hey, guys, uh, ask if, uh, guys and gals, ask a few questions on the live streams. When we wrap up here, we'll, we'll, right. we'll turn to the screen. A we'll... reminder, if you're a baby Xenomorph subscriber, you can watch all this being streamed, screamed live. Yeah. And we often do a quick little Q&A after the recording. Yeah. Um, I think I'll give it a nine. Nine. Okay. Well, I'm going to come down on mine a little so I don't seem insane <laughs> and go 12. <laughs> 12 is good, dude. I love it. I love this movie. I loved it too, and I'm glad I got to watch it, uh, the full thing, for the first time. That's right. For whatever reason, uh, watching it at a sleepover in sixth grade wasn't fully conducive to to taking in this movie. You got to go to Westwood when you're in college voting for Bush. Uh, Gary Oldman, uh, he was such a bad boy during this. Remember, he was supposed to host SNL. I remember it got announced on the little ticket before commercial. It said... Next week, I'll be hosted by Gary Oldman. And then it wasn't him the next, by mid next week, it was like Tom Arnold was like, oh, the guest. That's where they and went. then he came out in the monologue and he said, uh, Gary hey, Oldman did? No, Tom, Tom Arnold, Arnold came oh. out and said, Hey, I know it was supposed to be Gary Oldman, but uh, it turns out he hates the show. Uh, <laughs> but I guess Malcolm McDowell, who had had a bad experience during the rough years of SNL, told Gary Oldman not to do it. So he backed really? out. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I would read a book about Gary Oldman's young life. Me too. Oh, oh. Not written by him. Yeah. Necessarily. I want one that like just tells all the stories. Well, what I was going to say was uh, with the, when we mentioned Sid and Nancy and how I liked him in that, um, he seemed to kind of have his own little corner, uh, a little spot on the map for him that were like doomed romances. Yeah. Hmm. Like, yeah. I wonder if you would have thought of casting him as Dracula if Sid and Nancy hadn't come out. Because that is sort of like, you can see a connection. They're like both bad boys that kind of get like a 
normie girl to come to his dark side and they both their names are right you know Sid Vicious and Count Dracula which yeah. is so funny when anybody says Count Dracula in a Dracula movie it's funny nobody goes oh shit I gotta get out of here like he said to Keanu Reeves he's like at the very beginning he's like and you'll be visiting Count Dracula and he's like okay yeah for the you audience mean, person that sounds oh, like yeah. hey you're gonna go visit the <laughs> creature from the Black Lagoon right now okay sure <laughs> uh but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I uh, the the I'd do a double feature of Sid and Nancy and uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. I think that'd be yeah. pretty fun. Check it out. Um, but thanks for uh, picking this movie, uh, Matt. My pleasure. Um, uh, suggesting it. We'll be back with some yuppie nightmares in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. If you guys are watching, um, getting ready to watch, watch uh, After Hours, nineteen eighty five, and we'll uh, we'll talk about it. Bye now. Bye. For more Gorley and Rust content, head over to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early, plus monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gorley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Gorley, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candymans. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.